Well, good morning, everybody. We are starting a brand new book today. We finished Philippians. We're going to Colossians. So turn to Colossians chapter 1. If you need a Bible, uh, raise your hand and the ushers will get you. Anybody need a Bible? All right. Everybody brought their sword? Okay, right here. Keep your hands up. They'll get those to you. Colossians chapter 1. I'm really excited about this. There's a lot of great things here to remind me of the book of Ephesians, which we uh, have done already this year. And it also speaks of the preeminence of God, and it straightens out all of these cult teachings that you see that are out there today. And it's funny because Paul doesn't even address the name of the cults, but you understand exactly who he's talking about when he gives you the truths of God. Um, that Jesus is not a created being, that he is the creator of all things. All things were made by him and for him. He was before all things. I mean, there's just such great stuff. And we'll get into that part of the passage next week. But this week we want to look at uh, verses 1 through 14. I've entitled this message, A Prayer of Encouragement. We all need encouragement, don't we? I mean, you know, you've got people in your life that are always downers, right? All right, maybe that's just me. But, you know, it's nice when you have that person that always has good things to say about you. They're always encouraging. And, um, and you're going to find that there's this guy, the pastor of this church, Epaphras, is known for encouragement. He's, he's basically, he's going and telling Paul, who's in prison at this time, of the great things that the people in Colossae are doing. And so, uh, and then I want to just stress the importance of prayer. We talk about prayer all the time. There is so much power in prayer, and it's probably the thing we do the least. And our prayers can become repetitious and all about us. But think about when you hear this prayer of Paul's, and you see Paul's prayer life, if you look at all his writings, all his epistles, I'm praying for you always. I'm praying without ceasing. I pray for you every day. I'm always praying for you. He has this tremendous prayer life. I can only imagine how long he would pray every day because he says he's always praying for all these churches, all these individuals, all these situations. And in the midst of all of his prayers, when you look at all of his writings, all of his books, you don't really see him talking about himself. You don't really see him asking for things for himself. I mean, Paul's in prison right now with chains. He's not saying, Lord, take my chains off. Because he sees an opportunity to give out the gospel, right? And he's not saying, Lord, get me out of this prison. And and Lord, these, these, these living conditions are horrible and I don't feel too good. You don't see that. He's always other-centered. He's not self-centered. And I'm not saying it's bad to ask for things from God. I'm not saying it at all. We always do that. But it's just that he was so focused. Have, when was the last time you prayed for somebody you didn't even know for 20 minutes? Or a mission field or something, right? Because I'll tell you what, you know, like I hear things on the news, you know, like that, that mass shooting that was in Texas. Um, I, I hear things going on in the mission field. And I find myself waking up in the middle of the night and praying for these people that I don't even know, but I feel there's such a connection there. Paul was like that. Paul was always concerned more about others than himself. And he, he says this amazing prayer. Now, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to look at verses 1 through uh, 14. But um, I really want to start at about, let's, let's, let's just start at verse 9 and go from there, okay? 
Because I want to I want to read this prayer to you first before we before we get started here. So Paul here says, um, look at verse. Let's see, verse nine. Let's go. He says, and to be found in him. This is his prayer. He prays for them always. Be found in him, Christ Jesus, not having my own righteousness. Whoops. I better get in the right book. <laughs> it's the air conditioning blowing me around. Excuse me. Okay. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Paul says, here's the prayer. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, did not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering, with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood and the forgiveness of sins. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank You for this Word and we just ask that You would just impress upon our hearts the importance of prayer and the importance of having an ear to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, that we would be guided, that we would have spiritual wisdom and understanding, Lord God, that we would know Your will for us, and that we would step out in faith and trust. And so, Lord, speak to us today, we ask in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. What a powerful prayer. This is a prayer, this is a prayer that you can pray in about 30 seconds, and, and I would encourage you to start praying this for your friends. Start praying it for me. I mean, it's so packed with stuff in there. It's so good to asking for wisdom and spiritual understanding, to be pleasing to the Lord, to walk worthy, to increase in the knowledge of God, to be fruitful. Isn't that what God wants from you? He wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to be Christ-like. He wants you to reflect Him. He wants you to love on people and to be focused on helping. What a blessing that is when you have someone in your life that is just so sold out for Jesus. They're always there for you. They're always upbeat. They're always, because why? They can have joy in the midst of the storm because they have a hope. Our hope is in Christ Jesus. Our hope is in heaven. We know where we're going. That's a good thing. And when you focus on where you're going, you don't worry about what's going on right now. Oh, sure, you try to deal with it as best as you can, but you know you're trusting in God that He's going to see you through it and bring you to the finish line. That's our hope. And He's going to talk about that. So here we have um, this, this church in the area of Asia Minor known as Turkey. And Paul never even was there. This isn't a church that Paul started. Because, you know, you might say, okay, it's, uh, it's got to be one of Paul's churches so let's go to the book of acts and find out where it is well no it's not in the book of acts anywhere so he didn't even start this church but he's writing to him why because a minister named epaphras met paul a long time ago in ephesus so in acts chapter 19 we read this and it happened while apollos was in corinth that paul having passed through the upper regions came to ephesus and finding some disciples he said to them did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And so they said to him, we have not so much <clears throat> even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. 
And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, uh, saying to the people that they should believe on him who came, who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. And he went into the synagogues, he spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and they did not believe, and they spoke evil of the way, that's Christianity, they called it the way. They spoke evil of the way before the multitude. He departed from them and withdrew the disciples. Reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus, and this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia, all who dwelt in Asia, heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jew and Greeks. Now the work, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even when they grabbed his handkerchiefs and aprons, they would bring them to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. Amazing stuff was happening by the hand of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. We talked about the Holy Spirit last week and the importance of the power of the Holy Spirit that we can't do anything that's a full effect in our own power. We can get some stuff done, but we can't get stuff done like we can get stuff done when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, when we're filled up to overflowing, when we're trusting in God and not in ourselves. So we ask God for a fresh feeling. We ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to move in this place to, to speak to your hearts and to guide and lead you, to have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. And Paul was led to a place called Ephesus. Ephesus was a port city. Now we get from this time that he spent in Ephesus was three years. And so like Paul would normally do, he would go to the synagogues first. He'd bring the gospel to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. When the Jews, some would listen, some didn't. When they started to resist, he would move on and go to the Gentiles. And so what he did was he rented a hall at the school of Tyrannus. Then the school of Tyrannus was this place where everybody would come from all over the place to learn. So he would rent this hall during the middle of the day. So in that region of the, of the world, they would take what we would call a siesta. They work early morning to a certain time. They take a break. They take a siesta during the heat of the day. And then they come back late afternoon, early evening. And they open their shops back up and they go throughout the night. So what Paul was doing, he was a tent maker. He was working on making tents through the morning. And then when everybody would take a siesta, he would go teach the word of God at the school of Tyrannus. And all of a sudden, word was getting out. It said all of Asia came. People from all over the area came to hear this guy teach. Can you imagine this? I read some scholars said that he would teach for like four to six hours a day. Now, some of you have a hard time when I go an hour. These guys were coming back every day for four to six hours just getting the word of god just pumped into him and taught to them by the apostle paul and while he would be there teaching other people would sneak over to where he was staying steal his handkerchiefs and his aprons that he used for making tents his sweatbands and go take them and heal people that were sick and cast out demons in the power of the holy spirit that's how the miraculous was working, that God was working in that area to just get his word out and to confirm his word with wonderful works. So Epaphras, no doubt, 
had came and sat under him in Ephesus because Paul never went to Colossae. Now, there's a bunch of churches in that whole area that we're familiar with that came out of this teaching in Ephesus. You read the seven churches in, in Revelation, the seven letters of the seven churches. Well, Ephesus was one. That's where Paul was. Then there was Smyrna. There was Pergamos. There was uh, Thyatira. There was Sardis. There was Philadelphia. And then Laodicea, which was about 80 to 100 miles east of Ephesus, next to Laodicea was Colossae. And Colossae and Laodicea would exchange letters. They exchanged the letters from Paul. They exchanged the letters from John. They, would, they were supposedly, some say, founded by the same man, Epaphras. And then there was another city close by called Heropolis. And Heropolis, uh, there was a river that came down of cold, fresh water. And from Colossae came these hot mineral springs that were healing. People would sit in the hot mineral springs. And what happened was the water came down from Heropolis, the cold, refreshing water, mixed with the mineral water that was hot, became poison. By the time it got to Laodicea, it was lukewarm. Thus, that's why God says you guys are lukewarm. And I wish you were either hot or cold, but since you're lukewarm, I'll spoo you out of my mouth. So we had some serious troubles that happened in that area. But at one point, this area by Colossae was a thriving town. It was, it was sort of uh, the, the, the open gate from the east for travel and trade. And so there was a lot of money being made there. But whenever you've got uh, uh, influence from other countries and other regions, they also bring their beliefs in. And so that's what Paul was battling with here. That's why Epaphras came to him and told him some things. And Paul writes this letter to help to straighten out the people. These were good people. These were loving people. These were people that God was using, but they were being infiltrated by wolves that were teaching false heresies, false doctrines. And so Paul wanted to straighten them out. And so in this area, you had Gnosticism. Are you guys familiar with the Gnostics? Anybody? Okay, a couple of you. Okay, the Gnostics is kind of like their idea is that we are the all-knowing. Do you ever, you ever known somebody with Bullwinkle syndrome, Mr. Know-it-all? Right? They were the all-knowing. And so then they were mixing that also with Judaism, which Judaism was bringing legalism, putting people back under the bondage of the, of the law and of works to earn your way. You cannot earn your way to heaven. We are saved by faith and faith alone. The Bible makes it clear legalism is an offense to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an offense to the cross because if you tell somebody you've got to say, be saved by your performance, then you're saying Jesus wasted his time on the cross and he did not waste his time on the cross. Gnosticism was, was there was like two groups within the Gnostic group and they both believed the same thing that material things were evil, but the spirit's good. The flesh is evil, but the spirit's good. So you had one group of Gnostics that were, were like, they would withdraw from society. They would keep themselves from certain things. Uh, they kind of isolate themselves. They would even beat their flesh into submission so that the spirit would be stronger. The other group of Gnostics looked at that and thought, that's stupid, that's ridiculous, we're not doing that. And they thought, hey man, the flesh is evil, material things are evil, the spirit's good, we can't be held accountable for what we do in our flesh. So just go out and party and drink and take drugs and sleep with whoever you want, because God will take you there where you need to go. That sounds like a lot of Christians today. They want enough Jesus to get to heaven, but, you know, don't, don't bother with me with my lifestyle. I'm going to live the way I want to. It ain't going to work. That's not a true transformed heart. 
a true transformation. Oh, yeah, we're still sinners saved by grace. But a true transformation, a true heart for Jesus Christ says, I hate my sin. And when I blow it, I feel bad. And I come to him and repent. I don't feel comfortable in that lifestyle. But these guys would just like feed their flesh and think they were going to make it because the spirit's good and the flesh is evil. Well, you're fooling yourself. And then Judaism was all about legalism and trying to bring people back under the law. Moses came in bringing the law. Jesus came bringing grace and truth. And Jesus has set us free by his love, by his grace, by his mercy, by you accepting the gift that he offered. And so this is what Paul was dealing with in this area. And so he writes this letter. And so we look at the uh, verse one. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So a typical introduction, uh, Paul, when they had scrolls, so you would put your name first and foremost so people didn't have to unroll the scroll all the way to the bottom and see who signed it like we do when we write a letter. We sign it at the end. So they addressed themselves right at the beginning. Typical uh, greeting here. But Paul is making sure that they know his position in Christ. He's an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. God appointed him apostle. So he says this up front because he's going to be addressing some issues that are going to be hard for them to deal with. And he wants them to know that he speaks with authority because God has put him in this position to bring forth truth. And then he says to the saints and most faithful brethren, excuse me, in, <clears throat> all right, water break. <laughs> he says to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae. Is that you? We have two locations in our life, don't we? I'm in Christ and I'm in Kilauea. They're in Christ and they're in Colossae. And so he addresses them. And what does he call them? Faithful brethren. Faithful brethren. I love that. And then he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't he say that in every letter? Grace and peace. It's always grace and peace. It's never peace and grace. Why? Because you can't experience the peace of God until you've experienced the grace of God. And it's by grace that you've been saved. It's a gift of God. It's not of your works, lest anyone boast. So when you experience the grace of God, wherefore we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we experience the grace and then we experience the peace. He says there in verse 3 that he gives thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Wow. I, I, I just marvel at his prayer life. Praying always. He's praying for a church that he doesn't know. How does he know about them? Because their pastor came to the prison to tell him what's going on there. To let them know what's happening. And Paul says he's praying for them always since we heard. He's speaking of those that are with him there. Timothy was with them, possibly others. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven of which you heard before the word of the truth of the gospel. What an amazing statement right there. He talks about hearing of their faith, love, and hope. Does it remind you of something? Does it remind you of 1 Corinthians 13? Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. And here he labels it out 
as faith and love and hope. And he speaks of that. And he says, he's saying here that he's talking to these saints and encouraging them and that he has heard about their faith, their love, and their hope. Now, their faith is past. They've already given their life to Jesus Christ. What did that faith produce? Love, which was present for all to see. And how did they strengthen their faith and their love for one another and, and strengthen their faith in the Lord Jesus because of the hope that they had that lies ahead? So faith is past, love is present, hope is yet future. What drives you and me today? That I'm going to make it to the finish line. That I'm confident, Philippians 1.6, that he that begun the good work will complete it. He's going to take me to where he promised to take me. I'm going to make it to heaven. That's the good news. That's the exciting part. And he said this faith and this love produced an amazing thing that was going on in this church. And that they had a love for all of the saints. Now look at me, church. Do you have a love for all the saints? Or do you have a love for some of the saints? Or do you have a love for most of the saints? I think that we probably tend to have a love for most of the saints, but not all of the saints. But this group had a love for all of the saints. How could that be? Because they yielded themselves to the Holy Spirit. Because they yielded themselves to, to Jesus Christ. They realized how much they'd been forgiven. And they had a love for all the saints. Do you have a love for all the saints? Or there's somebody in your life that's bothering you that's a Christian. That you know you need to settle that thing. You need to go to them. You need to ask for forgiveness. And you might be thinking, no, they need to ask me for forgiveness. Well, you know what? It's going to be the more mature one that's going to extend that hand of grace. We're called to fix our relationships, especially in the household of God. Remember this. Did Jesus ever do you wrong? Nope. Did you sin against Jesus? Yeah. Were you dead in your trespasses and sins? Yes. Did you offend him? Yes. He came after you. He extended his hand of grace and said, I love you. And we melted down and asked for forgiveness, and he brought us into his family. So I'm saying to you, if you're a Christian and you have, you have a problem with another Christian brother or sister, go, go settle your issues. Stop playing this game. Stop acting like they got to come to you first. No, you be the more mature one and just said, hey, man, I want this thing between us healed. And fix it. Work it out. Do you want to please God? Settle your issues. That'll please God. The only way you're going to do it, though, is by having an understanding of God and who He is by getting into His Word, wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's the only way you're going to be able to forgive and fix these situations because you see the bigger picture. What's the bigger picture? I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. God forgave me of all my wrongs. Who am I not to forgive someone else? You've got to think of the hope. What helps you to settle your differences? Where am I going? Oh, I'm going there? Perfect. I don't have to worry about all this other stuff. I don't have to let the world get me down. I don't have to be dragged down with every storm of life that's going on. I have joy because I know where I'm going. I, I'm not happy in my circumstance, but I have joy. I didn't lose my joy because I still know who I believe in and that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him. Does that make sense? If some of you are looking at me like, guys, you got to wake up to this. Go heal your relationships. Settle them. 
Think of the hope, what you've got in store for you. That will help you to do it. Right? I mean, when you go on vacation, before you go on vacation, what do you do? You work double hard, right? I got to do double time. I got to do all this stuff. And, and, it's, and it's, it takes a lot out of you. And it could be frustrating, but you just got your eye on the prize. You're, you got the goal. I'm going on vacation. I'm going on vacation. And pretty soon you finish that last day and you go on vacation. You're like, whoo, this is awesome. Think of that in heaven. I mean, can you imagine if you were a heavy-duty executive in a giant corporation and they met in a 20-story building and they owned the whole building and you're up on the top floor and you're, you're, you're advising to the vice president, the president, the CEO, and, and, and they're trying to merge with another company that's going to be really beneficial for them and these guys are about to show up within an hour or so and, and all of a sudden the president of the company says, wow, our floor's bathroom just went haywire. There's sewage all over the floor. We don't have anybody to clean it up and they point to you can you go clean it up and you're like in your armani suit and your gucci shoes and you're like no why don't you get one of the interns from down below we don't have time those guys are on their way we got to get this done and then he says to you this he says this he says hey if you do this right now and we get through this day and seal this deal um, i'm going to give you a paid vacation to fiji for a month you're going to get paid you're going to stay at the hyatt we're going to cover all expenses and you'll get a salary well, what are you going to do? You're going to grab a mop and start cleaning up the sewage. And people are going to walk by and they're going to see you getting sewage all over your Armani suit and your Gucci shoes. And you've got a song in your heart. You're just like, woohoo, like this. Like, they think you're crazy. And, and they can't believe you're acting like this. Why are you acting like that? Because in a couple hours, I'm out of here. Paid vacation, going to Fiji. I don't have to sweat this stuff. You see where I'm going? Keep your eyes on the prize. If you keep your eyes on the prize, you're not going to lose your joy. If you keep on your eyes on Jesus, you're going to go settle your relationships with others. You're going to fix the problem. Hey, you know what? And wonder, wonder if they don't receive you. That's okay. You just keep reaching out. Doesn't Jesus do that to us? When I'm disobedient, I'm saved, born again, going to heaven. But when I'm disobedient and I don't get that thing right, I break fellowship with God. So what does he do? He keeps extending the hand. Come on, Steve, let's get that right. Come on, Steve, let's get that right. Come, Steve, Steve. Hey, listen to me. I want to bless you, but I can't do it until you get this thing right. And many of you might not be receiving the blessings that God has for you right now because you won't go fix that relationship because of pride. And you know how many times we stop talking to people over the stupidest thing? Faith, hope, and love. Faith. God, increase my faith. God, increase my love. God, remind me of the hope that lies ahead for me. Faith, hope, and love. And then he comes to verse 5 here where he says, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world. So the whole known Roman world of that time had received the gospel. Is that crazy? In Paul's day, in, in, in less than probably 30 years, the whole known Roman empire had received the gospel. That's without TV, internet, Facebook, Instagram, wires, 
on foot, on horseback, on carriage, on mule. These guys were on fire for the Lord, going out to uncomfortable places and putting themselves into positions of trouble and danger to get the gospel out. It's gospel which is coming to you and also in all the world and bringing forth fruit. And if it's also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God and truth, as you also learned from Epaphras, that's their pastor, our dear fellow servant who is faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. This is hot. This is amazing. I like this. He talks about, Paul finds out about this church from their pastor. And what does he find out? He finds out that Epaphras is tattletailing on them how good they are. Isn't that cool? He's talking behind their back. He's gossiping about the people in his church, how good they are. How refreshing. I think that we should do that. Let's go out today and talk behind each other's back how, good we lo- how much we love you and how good you are. I, I mean, it's so easy to get, a, a, get an audience, right? Hey, did you hear about so-and-so? And everybody goes, no, what? They are so awesome. They just love Jesus and they're always helping. I, I thank God every day for them. Here's Epaphras ratting them out <laughs> on how good they are, how refreshing. Epaphras comes to Rome and he shares with Paul about this church. And, and, and Paul doesn't know what's being taught. Paul doesn't know the situation there. So no doubt, here he is at the prison in Rome, and Epaphras is asking him some questions, and Paul's no doubt asking questions too. What are you teaching them? Because you got to remember, they didn't have New Testaments back then. So he's like, what are you teaching them? Well, this is what I'm teaching them. Well, that's good, that's good. Are you seeing any fruit? Oh, I'm seeing tons of fruit. They have a love for the saints. Oh, that's awesome. So what are you up against? Well, there's these false teachers trying to come in with heresy and steal everything away. And that's why Paul is going to write this letter. And in chapters 2, we're going to be dealing with that kind of stuff. And, and he's going to address it in such a way that it's just amazing. Epaphras was talking about how good they are. How did Paul find out about their love and their love in the Spirit? Because of Epaphras. You know what? I encourage you guys to go around and say great things about people. And be known as someone like that that's an encourager saying good stuff. These good things that Paul heard, he learned them from Epaphras. It says here that Epaphras was a faithful minister. What does that mean? That means what I sign up for, I I commit to. That means that Epaphras, he committed to this church. He showed up. When you sign up for ministry, you show up. When you you commit to somebody that you're going to be there, you show up. You're there on time. When you commit to a, a job, you show up on time. You do your best. Matter of fact, you do more than your best. Because why? Because you're a child of God and you want to be an example to your boss who may not know Jesus. But he looks at you and you're always there early and you're always the last one to leave. And you always go above and beyond. That makes a difference. Epaphras was that kind of person. He was fully committed. God wants us to be faithful. He wants us to serve. He wants us to love others. He wants us to bless others. He wants us to give to others. That's what pleases God. When we are helping others and serving others and doing things for others. Because we've we got to understand that God doesn't need anything for us, from us. He, he wants us to serve others. He doesn't need something from you. He has everything. 
He wants you to be moved with compassion to love on others. He doesn't need anything from you. My wife and I, we raised five kids. I didn't raise them for their money. I don't want their money. They want my money. I didn't raise them to get rich. I raised them to go broke. I don't want their stuff. They want my stuff. That's our Father in heaven. He wants to give you everything. He wants to bless you abundantly. In verse 9, he starts this prayer. Look what he says here. He says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, did not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Is that an amazing request? Number one, he's praying without ceasing. Number two, he's asking that they would have the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Maybe you're here today and you don't know what your will is for God. Well, God hasn't revealed His will. Maybe it's because you're lacking wisdom and spiritual understanding. Well, how do I get wisdom and spiritual understanding? Read your Bible. That's why we say read the Bible. You know, sometimes people will be going through something and somebody will say, why don't you go talk to Pastor Steve? And they're like, nah, I'm not going to talk to him. He's going to ask me if I'm reading my Bible. Well, what did you think I was going to ask you? You want, you, want to, you want to know insights of what God's will is for you? Get into the Word of God. That's where He speaks through prayer and through His Word. The Word is alive and living, sharper than any two-edged sword. It'll come right in and do surgery in your heart. If you want to know the will for God, increase in your wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, now some people know the will of God, but they're impatient. The will of God, God has given them, they prayed for something and, and you know, they want to be somewhere else or they want to be doing something else and God has spoke to them and said, listen, this is going to happen. But then God says, wait. They don't like waiting. We talked about that last week. He told his disciples in Jerusalem before he ascended, wait in Jerusalem to receive the power and the promise of the Father. We don't like to wait. But sometimes we have to wait. And the only way you can sit comfortably waiting is to have wisdom and spiritual understanding. How do I get it? Read the Word of God. Because when God tells you His will, what do we want to do? We want to, we want to do it immediately, right? But it's not always the case. Look at King David. When King David was anointed by Samuel to be the king, did he take over right then? No. It was years after that. But see, he could have been thinking, you know what? I've already been told that I'm going to be anointed king, so I've got to get this, pro this, 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 this thing going here. Um, you know, maybe, maybe what I need to do is start like, uh, backbiting Saul, King Saul. Let's start whispering behind the scenes and, and get everybody to kind of overthrow him. Or, or maybe, maybe I should just kill him. I mean, God said I'm supposed to be king. Maybe I've got to just take him out. But that wasn't the heart of David. Why? Because David had wisdom and spiritual understanding because he was in the Word of God. And years would go by. He was on the run. Actually, Saul wanted to kill him. And he said, no, I'm, I'm going to leave it in God's hands. And then there came that point where he took over as king. Maybe you're here and you're waiting for something from God. He's already showed you His will, but you're impatient. Get into the Word of God so that you can have wisdom and spiritual understanding and know exactly what to do. In verse 10, he also says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, truly pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. That's a great prayer. 
to walk worthy. Don't we want to walk worthy with the Lord Jesus? Don't we want to be fully pleasing to Him? Don't you want to be fruitful in your life? Don't you want God to just say, wow, you really did amazing things while you were down there on that earth. Don't you want to receive rewards in heaven for what He did through you because you yield yourself to Him? being fully pleasing, being fruitful in every good work? How do I become fully pleasing and fruitful in every good work? How do I walk worthy? Um, increase in the knowledge of God. How do I do that? Get into the Word. Don't tell me about all your problems and you're not reading your Bible. Don't complain about everything and you're not reading your Bible. And God forbid that this is the only day on a Sunday that you open a Bible. Because you're really deceiving yourself. You're, 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 disser- you're just giving yourself a disservice by not getting into the Word each and every day. You need daily bread. Hello. Isn't that what he said to us? Daily bread. And then he says in verse 11 that you would be strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. I don't like this verse. Because patience, right? How many of you stopped praying for patience? Stopped, right? Because you knew God was going to give you an opportunity to exercise it, right? So I don't even pray for that anymore. But long-suffering, that deals with people. How many of you right now are long-suffering with somebody in your life? How many of you are dealing with patience and long-suffering? With joy. I'm like... No, get away with me with joy. Don't come near me with joy. Stay clear of me with joy. I don't want to deal with you with joy. Patience, long-suffering with joy? There's only one way that's going to happen. How? By the power of God. By the power of God. When you yield yourself to God Almighty, He will strengthen you with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Isn't that awesome? King James says to meet. M-E-E-T. It's kind of like to, uh, to fit in. Uh, the word that's used in the Greek is qualified. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you and me to be partakers of the, His inheritance. Is that awesome? Of the saints in the light. I'm qualified. Steve, how do you know you're going to heaven? I'm qualified. What qualifies you? What, you haven't read my resume? I'm qualified. Well, what qualifies you? Well, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. I asked him for forgiveness of sins, and I asked him to fill me with the Holy Spirit. I'm qualified. I did my part. He did his part. I provided the sinner. He provided the Savior. I'm qualified. You're qualified. We're going to heaven because of what he did. It's all about him. And here Paul's giving thanks to the Father who has qualified them to be partakers of an inheritance. You have an inheritance. God has something for you when you get there. And He has delivered us, verse 13, from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the, or transferred us, conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Now, how many of you can testify to that, that God took you out of darkness and moved you into light? 
There's only two kingdoms. Hello? Light and darkness. There's no great kingdom. There's a lot of people out there thinking there's a great kingdom. And that's their own kingdom. Well, you know, I'm not really into God. I'm not really into the devil. I don't believe in those things. I don't believe in heaven and hell. It doesn't change a thing. There's two kingdoms. You're either for him or you're against him. You remember when the Pharisees were calling him out, calling him an illegitimate child, and he looked at him and he said, you're of your father, the devil. That's pretty harsh words. I, I wouldn't suggest you use that when you're sharing the gospel with somebody. It doesn't really sit well, but that's the truth, though. You're either for him or you're against him. You're either in the kingdom of light or you're in the kingdom of darkness. I was empowered by darkness before Jesus Christ. The world would say, do this. I would say, how many times? Have some of this. Okay. Do this, do that. I will. And then Jesus got a hold of me. And he changed my life and he changed your life. And now he's changing us from glory to glory and it's not going to be completed until we're standing in his presence. But I'll tell you what, I used to think that living in the world was way more exciting than these people who were Christians and now I realize, yeah, we woke up, didn't we? Oh yeah, you Christians, you're no fun, you don't party. You don't, yeah, and I don't wake up with my face in the toilet either. Or with a wrecked car or in prison or whatever. I'll tell you what, this is a better life. This is, I, I have more fun being a Christian than I ever had being a non-Christian. And I can wake up and just praise the Lord and start again fresh. It's good stuff. He's delivered us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. That's the good news. We have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins. He did it all. That's the good news. And so I encourage you guys, pray. Up your prayer game. Come out to Wednesday night's prayer. You're doing yourself a disservice if you haven't come to Wednesday night prayer. We can lay hands on you. We can pray for you. We can love on you. We can encourage you. You don't have to tell us anything. Just pray. We're seeing amazing things happening. Pray for the gifts of the Spirit. Pray for a move of the Spirit. Pray for revival. When we get together, there's something powerful that happens. I remember reading in the book of Acts, I think it's chapter 4, when they're all gathered in a building and they're praying, they're praying, and they're praying. And the, the building began to shake. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and joy. And they went out and they spoke the gospel with boldness. There's something very unique that happens right here that you won't get at home. And we need that midweek fix. We need that gathering with the brethren. If you're broken, we want to pray for you. We want to lay hands on it. You're doing great. We want to pray for more in your life. If you just have a situation, we want to pray for that. You need healing. We want to lay hands and pray. God still heals. It's up to him if he heals. Prayer is so important. Let me close with this. So many times all we do is we pray for ourselves. It's okay. You got needs. I get that. Lord, do this, do that, fix this, fix them, fix that. Lord, supply me this, supply me that. Lord, take this away. You know, it could be really all-consuming about me. I've been there. You know what I'm talking about. But I'm asking you today to start focusing your prayers on others. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you to start praying for our missions, people you don't even know. And, and spend 15, 20 minutes praying for someone that you don't even know. And for their ministry to give thanks to God for them and to go out and I'm, I'm encouraging you guys to go out and gossip good things 
I, I want someone to hear that you're talking behind their back, telling everybody about the good things and how great and how blessed you are to know them. Think about that. How thankful you are. To be other-centered and not self-centered. To pray for others, giving thanks. Asking God what? The very prayer we read at first. Asking God that they may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that they may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthening with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood the forgiveness of sins and all God's people said amen Amen. father we thank you uh, just for this reminder Lord God I pray that you would give us the strength to just be the men and women that you've called us to be and to yield ourselves in such a way like never before that where we bring forth fruit we would walk worthy of the calling that you've given us Lord and that we would finish and finish well Holy Spirit empower us to be the men and women that you've called us to be and that we would be other-centered and not self-centered, Lord God, and we would go around talking good things and not bad things and be an encouragement to others. We can only do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we ask for your strength in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.